You're watching one of a series of videos where Elisa Childers and I respond to 23 progressive Christian claims, kind of like a progressive Christian manifesto that was written by Ragamuffin TV. We deal with these claims, some good, some bad, some ugly, and I'm hoping that this helps you to think biblically. Okay, so number 23 here, um, this is another big one in the progressive movement. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father without coming through me. And then the commentary is, this is not an exclusive statement. This is an inclusive statement. This was never intended to be a threat. This was an exposure of reality. Jesus was saying, I'm part of the deal whether you like it or not. He wasn't saying, pick me before you die, or my daddy will torture you for all eternity. That would make God worse than Hitler. The big, their big finish there. <laughs> their big finish. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, they say it's, let's just take it kind of one piece at a time. The first part is they're saying that Jesus' statement in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that that's not exclusive. Um, yes, it is. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the way it could be inclusive is if in the Gospel of John, in the full context of Scripture, if there was teaching that everyone would come to Christ. But one of the stark realities in the Gospel of John is how many people reject him. In fact, John 1, it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And he says that if they don't believe in him, they will, quote, die in their sins. This is Jesus saying this. So the context is, yes, there are those who receive and those who reject Christ. And no one, and because no one can come to the Father except through Christ, they will not be coming to the Father. So it is an exclusive statement in the context of John, in the teaching of the Scripture. Um, their interpretation is instead, Jesus is part of the deal whether you like it or not. Well, I would, I would agree with that as well. Mm. He's part of it, but but if you don't like it, you don't get the deal. Yeah. That's that's the the final uh, and offensive part of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's pretty offensive to tell people that without Jesus they won't be saved. Yeah. And this it's the exclusivity of Christ is offensive to people. The question we should ask before we ask about that is if it's true or not. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do anything in the name of Christianity, that starts with believing that Jesus is true. And so we need to be affirming his exclusivity if you're going to call that Christianity. Um, then the end of the statement though, they said, um, Jesus wasn't saying, pick me before you die or my daddy will torture you for all eternity. Mm -hmm. You can just smell the stink of <laughs> irritation and hatred yeah. for conservative Christian values yes. and views. Mm -hmm. Just, just oozing off of this kind of statement, pick me before you die or my daddy will torture you for all eternity. Yeah. He's got to know that that's a caricature. You know, I reject the idea of torture. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, sorry. I was just going to say, he has to know that's not really what we think. You know, it, it really is just a caricature. You would you would think so. Yeah. But it's weird how, and we see this in atheists too, when people go from a conservative Christian environment to like a progressive, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about politics. I mean, it overlaps our politics a little bit, sure. but we're talking about theological values. Uh, when we go from that environment to progressive Christian or from that environment to atheist, it's so weird to hear how these people now talk about what they used to believe. And you're like, you know, right. that wasn't really you. Right. And, like, and if they did, around you, that, that wasn't the right, they didn't have the right Christianity if that's what they believed, you know? Yeah. I, I just, there are bad examples of Christians and shallow thinking and whatnot. But, but obviously, that's not what you should be trying to refute if you want to refute core Christian values. Yeah. So the, the concept of torture hell being torture for all eternity, uh, 
so torture has a value to it. It's not just a behavior or an action like causing someone suffering. That's not always considered torture. Uh, you right. know, I, I, there's times where I would call, cause someone suffering. You know, I go to the dentist. They're causing me suffering. I don't call it torture because that puts a moral value on what the dentist is doing. What right. I'm saying is the, the dentist immorally is causing me pain just for the purpose of causing me pain. And that's it. And so it, the use of the word torture for hell is, is a uh, is a it, it front loads a moral judgment that God is unjust in in even having hell yeah. as a consequence for sin. And I think that that is uh, that's where the discussion needs to lie. We, we need to talk about how torture is an inappropriate thing. If that's torture, then parking tickets are torture. Yeah. Right. You shouldn't have parked there. You got a parking ticket. That's torture because they're causing you suffering. If, if that's torture, then grounding your kid, you know, you're grounded. You can't go anywhere this weekend. That is torture. Yeah. Every judgment, every punishment is now torture if that is. Mm. And that's the real issue there. The, the, to me, the bottom line is at some point, every Christian has to look at it. Every person's going to have to look at it and decide, do I think hell is bad or do I think sin is bad? Mm. You're going to, you're going to fall in line and, and a whole bunch of other dominoes will start falling after you make that decision. I think that sin is bad and I don't. I think it's irrational to think that we live in a universe with an unjust God who is the grounding of justice. It that's irrational. Yeah. So it's it's the caricature I think is impossible, not the reality of what Christianity teaches. And I think too this this entire point here, this number twenty three, is encapsulating a view that's so popular in the progressive Christian church, and that's a form of universalism called universal reconciliation. This is affirmed by William Paul Young, who wrote The Shack. This is uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber's view. And that's that, uh, yeah, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But they're saying this is inclusive in that everybody in the world is included in that. And so whatever salvation yeah. needs to take place or whatever. But that only works if you completely isolate that verse from all other biblical context. Just for example, just John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It goes on in verse 18 uh, that says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of uh, God's one and only son. So if you just, again, take that one verse and kind of twist it around to kind of, oh, I can see why they could say that, but you can't say that if you if you situate it within the larger biblical context, which is so often what um, I see f progressive Christians fail to do. Not all. There are, for sure, some thought more thoughtful progressive Christians that are trying to do more of a, a systematic theological approach. I, I think they fail in their conclusions, as we see with like the Reformation Project and their biblical points. But I think that's what we're seeing there with that, is that's that's really their view of, of that verse, is that that's actually affirming universal reconciliation, which is a form of universalism. Yeah, it's it's a two-step thing, right? In the first, and they do this again, this same two-step thing over and over. In the first step, we reinterpret one verse out of context to affirm our universalist view. Yes. In the second step, we absolutely demonize anyone who disagrees. Yeah. Right. So not only is this true, but this is the righteous view, and it should absolutely trigger you. That's right. If anybody disagrees. Yeah. Because there is no such thing as a just judge who justly sends sinners to hell. There is only a daddy who tortures people forever. Right. 
Yeah, that's an important point you just brought up. I think I think that's that's a a good thing for us to be on the lookout for that two step sort of bait and switch there with uh, biblical interpretation. So this uh, entire Facebook post ends with a little bit of commentary. I'm just going to read a little bit as we close out here today, and I'll let you have some closing thoughts here, Mike, as we read through this. So the the writer says this. This is my partial list. I'm sure it looks very different from your list, and that's okay. Instead of debating, arguing, and shaming each other, let's just love each other. Uh, again, assuming that love means there's not going to be any debate or or something like that. He says, yeah. no one is going to arrive on heaven's doorstep and say, I got it all figured out way more than everyone. So why treat each other like horse poop? <laughs> because we disagree with each other. There are many streams of Christianity. If they are shaming you in your stream, find a different one. They don't get to decide if you are in or out. And then he goes on to explain the gospel. The good news of the gospel is this. You're all in. And you have free will to accept God's love and invitation to the banquet of a Trinitarian love affair or decline. But even if you do decline, I think the picture we get of God in the prodigal son story is this. The father sees you while you uh, still were far way off. He is filled with compassion and running for you. So you reject God on this side or the other. You won't be punished. You'll be, you'll be punishing yourself, much like the elder brother in the prodigal son's story by huffing and puffing because you obeyed your list and all these sinners have been led into the party. Because of absurd and unfair grace, this will be your own hell because you refuse to be in and around forgiven sinners that didn't obey your lists or interpret the scriptures how you do or vote your political party, but fret not no matter how long you say no to God and are in a state of being a far way off. God is in a constant flow of outpouring compassion and the Trinity that we call God will never, ever, ever, ever stop chasing you with his love. So that's a, there's a lot in there. There's, I mean, and, and I think that the whole pinnacle of that is his description of the gospel. His, his gospel presentation is you're all in and you can choose it or not choose yeah. it, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to be punished. That's still true. Yeah. The utter lack of self-awareness yeah. is astounding. Christianity yeah. has lots of flavors. Pick whichever one you want, right? In other words, beliefs. Any beliefs you want, call it Christianity and go for it and don't let anyone shame you. Mm -hmm. And now what I want you to know is my flavor is absolutely true. That's right. And anyone who disagrees is going to hell and it will be the hell of experiencing the knowledge that I was right all along and they were wrong all along. Yeah. And all the universalism that I was teaching was, was the true flavor of Christianity. Yeah. Everything about that is self-contradictory yeah. and utterly hypocritical. Yeah. And underlookal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really so. it, it's it, you make such a good point because he's basically saying it's okay we can disagree we don't have to uh, have all this but don't shame each other and then he goes on and basically shames you if you don't agree with his very specific uh, beliefs about the gospel and about who Jesus is who God the Father is how they save people how it works in the world it's all worked out it's all it's all very very um, objectively declared as an objective truth. Um, and you're going to find out when you die. Yeah. Does that not sound like the fundamentalist yeah. he hates? Yeah, it does. When you yes. die, you'll see I was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what words the, of encouragement the, the, would you leave everybody with, our people who are watching and listening to this, as, as we've tried to parse through all of these ideas, and then we've kind of read through this guy's basic idea of the gospel, what would your encouragement be to people who are listening and watching as they try to pursue truth in their relationship with God and in their Christianity? 
uh, <clears throat> one of the things I would encourage you with is don't be intimidated. Yes. The value of their intimidation through their righteous posturing is, is that is the whole deal. Mm. The entire flavor that I see behind this, in my opinion, this 23 item list is I'm, I'm in the righteous position and those who have these values, they're in the unrighteous position. I'm judging them. They're wicked. And, if, and if, at the end, he affirms they will experience my version of hell when they die. And don't be intimidated by that, that, that push of we're righteous and your views are unrighteous. That's, I think, the number one hammer that the progressive Christians have yeah. that they keep hammering on. Your view of the gospel, your view of Jesus, your view of the Bible, your view of hell, it's all ungodly. It's all unrighteous. It's all wicked. Mm -hmm. And then our view is righteous. But there's no self-awareness. They don't realize that they're doing all the same condemning. They're just doing it for unbiblical reasons. Mm. And so don't be intimidated. Second is this. You may not be able to know how to work through a list like this and how to spot errors, but you do know what scripture teaches. Yeah. And it's always been the word of God that has been our anchor to keep us in God's truth. It is the word of God that allowed the people to know false prophet from true. It is the word of God that allowed the people to know that Jesus was the Messiah when the Bereans were studying the scriptures. It is God's word that makes us able and capable of, of being fully grown Christians who are of use to God. And for you, it's going to be saying, you know, I'm just going to trust God more than you. Mm. And your shaming and your demonization of things that I'm pretty sure scripture teaches isn't going to intimidate me. This is this is going to just keep happening. We'll see more and more progressive stuff. The, the thing about progressives is they're they're more enjoyed by culture, mm. right? Because of of their teachings, yeah. and so they're going to uh, be more acceptable in those cultural environments and stuff like that. But this is again, this is just an issue of take up your cross. Part of that is the gospel has offensive, counterintuitive teachings that the world doesn't like. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. If you enjoyed this series, I think you're going to love Alisa Childers' channel on YouTube. I really recommend you guys go and subscribe and check it out. She's constantly dealing with progressive Christian stuff, but she does it really, really well. I'm grateful, like genuinely grateful that her channel exists, that she's doing the kind of content she is. And I would recommend uh, everybody who finds that even remotely interesting to check out her channel. I'll put a subscribe link for her channel here as well as down below.